Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Top five sports day of the year right now. Top five sports day of the year. Isn't it exciting? Isn't it really exciting what's going to happen tonight? It's Thursday. It is draft day. Here's what I will promise you. Tonight, there will be Hall of Famers drafted. All-time great players, first ballot Hall of Famers will have their name called tonight. That's really cool. Terrible, miserable, pathetic whiffs will go on tonight. Where some team's going to send the pick in, they're going to high-five each other in what they used to call the war room, and shake hands and hugs, and Goodell's going to go up, and the player's going to say, great, and the player is going to be nothing and is going to get people fired, and it's going to set the teams back. That sounds really pessimistic. Not at all. That's realistic. It happens every single year. It is the ultimate educated coin flip, and it happens on national television. I'm so excited. I'm even wearing my cute little network uh, quarter zip here. Pretty cool. I got the shield on. I'm a team player today. I love Omaha. That's where we do everything we're going to do today. Draft stuff, draft stuff, draft stuff. And also, we lost someone who's really important, uh, a really important historical figure in recent history in the 90s. Um, I'll get into it in a little bit. I'll have my final thoughts on that, if you will. But my first thoughts, what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Oh, what a break. We start today's draft show with a sound. You want to hear the coolest, sweetest sound in the NFL offseason? I have such an association with this. This the Pavlovian. Ready? Here's the sound. Three, two, one. The pick is in! Oh, it's so good. They're sitting up there at the desk and they're chatting and there's all kinds of in-house entertainers and people are screaming and your team has been waiting and planning. You've been mocking and scouting and tweeting and reading. Who are they going to get? Oh, come on. This is taking forever. This is taking forever. Let's go. Who do we got? Who do we got? Hope springs eternal. It really is cool. You know, I was, I was asking the question earlier in the week, which is more exciting? Is it Super Bowl week or is it draft week? I think it's draft week because the Super Bowl only has two teams and two fan bases. Everybody's invited to the draft week. Everybody's going to draft Hall of Famers. Everybody's going to nail each one of their picks. It's great. I feel like so much of the NFL fan base is interested in the Super Bowl, of course, but they're not attached to it personally. Everybody's attached. Everybody wants to hear this. One more time. It's a great sound. It's a great sound. Uh, There's... 31 picks tonight, which is kind of weird because of the whole one pick being removed. But of all the 31 picks, here's the pick that I'm looking at the closest. It is not the Panthers number one. It's not even Houston number two, Arizona number three, Colts number four. Of all the top 10 picks, top 10, the big dogs, the by far most important pick is the Philadelphia Eagles at 10. And let me tell you why. Just go down the list of the top 10 picks. One of those things is not like the other. Think about the teams that I rattled off. Carolina, Arizona, Indianapolis, Houston, even teams like Detroit. All the picks in the top 10 are teams that are either totally rebuilding or average to decent. And then there's the Philadelphia Eagles, who were not only an NFC champion, they were a dominant NFC champion, as dominant as we've seen in that conference winning the whole thing in years. And they have a top 10 pick. That's the pick you want to look at. If you're a football fan who's not in the top 10, you're 11 through 31, wherever you are, you're out of the first round, you're watching those first nine picks because, oh, that's interesting, maybe I'll draft them in fantasy and I love the league and I love the drama. 
you're watching the number 10 pick because that's going to affect everything. Not the NFC East, not the NFC, the whole big deal. Because if the Philadelphia Eagles and Howie Roseman and that team, if they land a killer at number 10, look the hell out. They are a juggernaut next year. Juggernaut. They cannot afford to have another great player. You can't afford for them to have another great player. Listen, Bryce Young turns out to be Steve Young. Fine. Years to come, Carolina will be really good in the future somewhere. If Will Levis goes to Indianapolis and becomes this all-pro phenomenon, Indianapolis is going to be tough to deal with down the road. If Philadelphia gets Jalen Carter, if Philadelphia decides to draft B. John Robinson, whatever they do, and they're great right away, that is a league problem. That is a competition problem. That is we're going to beat the hell out of you problem. Philadelphia doesn't even need to draft anybody, and they're the NFC favorite next year. They draft zero players, miss the clock on all of their picks, and are jumped and draft nobody. They're your NFC champ. That's it. That's how good they are. That's how much they're bringing back. If they add to that with a weapon, with some sort of player of mass destruction, that's not good, guys. You better watch that Eagles pick. And they may move up. They may move back. You do not want them to get a killer at number 10 because that team is going to be so good. Too good, in fact. You want to know how rare this is? When do you think was the last time that a team that played in the Super Bowl had a top 10 draft pick? You know what only hasn't happened in 15 years? It hasn't happened since 2008. And that was the New England Patriots. And guess who they drafted? Gerard Mayo, linebacker. They drafted him at the 10th pick. Same pick the Eagles are having. Gerard Mayo wanted to have a great career and is now slotted to be the next head coach of the Patriots. That's how hard they hit on it. That's how hard it went. And they were back to Super Bowl, and they were back to multiple Super Bowls eventually over time. Point is, you can't let a team that is that good and that loaded have a pick that is that high and hit on it. The Patriots hit on it. You want the Eagles to miss on it if you are not a fan of the Eagles. It's so rare. It has happened five times in the history of the draft that a Super Bowl team, even a Super Bowl losing team, has been in the top 10. The fifth time happens tonight with the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, if you're a Birds fan, go get it. Pile on. Load up. The more the merrier. Your mansion is ready and you're going to add some stupid heated floors and a walk-in humidor and a helipad on the roof. That's what you get tonight. If you are not an Eagles fan, if you're a fan of the Cowboys, the Giants, the Commanders, never mind the East. The whole league, you guys got to hold hands of it. Please let Roseman miss. Please let him whiff. We cannot afford to have the Eagles have another great player. What if they have the defensive rookie of the year? What if they have an offensive rookie of the year? What if they find themselves some sort of Micah Parsons destroyer? The Eagles will not be beat. That's the pick. Colts, Texans, Raiders, all those other teams, Bears in the top 10. Great. I hope you get up on your feet, kids, and I hope you build something moving forward. The Eagles have already built something. They're looking to build it on top of your own franchise and build upon it like they're dropping hotels on boardwalk and you just landed on it. Pay up, idiot. Hope the Eagles whiff tonight. You don't want to have them have a killer, and they might. Let's go on to what I hate. Record scratch for me this morning emotionally where I'm so excited for the draft and I'm at work and I'm having a great day downtown in New York. We're doing good morning football and it's spring and the weather's getting nicer. 
and we have this guy who has been a producer on Good Morning Football for years, and he's into some of the same things that I'm into, and he came out on set, and he goes, Kyle, did you hear? And I said, no, what? He goes, Jerry Springer. And I go, did Jerry Springer die? And he goes, yes, he just died. And I was like, ah, that sucks. Um, it's tough to get into this. So Jerry Springer, the venerable talk show host for years and years and years, author, longtime politician, former mayor of the city of Cincinnati. But look, I can tell you his whole resume. For a long time in the 90s, he really, really mattered and affected culture and was a big deal. Jerry Springer passed away. I read that it was of cancer and he was in his home outside of Chicago with his family. Um, if you were to make a time capsule based entirely of, of people, comprised of people from the 90s, if you wanted to say to your grandkids 50 years from now, or even your kids now, here are the people who really made up what we were talking about in the 90s, okay? You would put in there Bill Clinton, Kurt Cobain, Tupac, Oprah, Michael Jordan, and Jerry Springer. That's my 90s time capsule. Now there are more, there's a lot more. You could put in people like Tom Cruise, you could put a, a tons of people. Infamous people, bad people, villainous people. That's mine. If you're gonna give me six names, Clinton, Cobain, Tupac, Oprah, Jordan, Springer, who moved the needle, who set the tone, all kinds of things. Jerry Springer was that big of a deal. It's an interesting thing because a lot of us associate him with just staying home from school sick. You know, you would watch maybe Bob Barker and The Price is Right in the morning, but then you would turn on Springer and they'd ring that bell and Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. The show was far from perfect. The show has not aged well. The show was a lot of ways, now when you look at it from our lens now, or maybe as an adult, it was exploitative and it was insensitive and all those things. In 1997, it was the thing. And Jerry Springer was interesting because this is coming off the, on the heels of talk shows were massive and Oprah had already blown up and you had people like Phil Donahue and Geraldo and all of those, they were all over the place, all these different talk show hosts and they attempted to be very erudite and very investigative and very highbrow and they would examine really a lot of the dirt in this country. Springer became the dirt. He said, enough of that. I'm a smart guy and I have this great history and I'm obviously hugely high IQ and intelligence, but I'm just gonna bring on people from a trailer park or I had a three-way with my daughter's friends and they just bring them on and they would fight. And it was seemingly beneath him, but it was television you could not look away from. Just look at this picture I'm looking at right here. These are all daytime talk show hosts. Geraldo, Montel, Maury, Donahue, Jenny Jones, Dr. Ruth. I mean, you got Larry King, there's Jerry Springer up there, Oprah, Sally, Jesse. This isn't even showing Ricky Lake, who was a huge part of it, but this is all of them at some sort of black tie events. That, that's, that, there were that many, how many are there now? It was a huge, huge, huge deal. And it, I think the apex of the Jerry Springer experience, certainly for me and for a lot of people of that age, he released a VHS tape you could go online and buy, and it was probably $20 plus S&H, and it was Jerry Springer, Too Hot for TV. And it was nitroglycerin on the college campus, among high school kids, and it was all these moments that they didn't either air on the show because they were too uh, graphic, or they had too much violence, or they had nudity or whatever, and you could buy it, and it was uncensored. It was so great, and it was the kind of thing, I was a freshman in college at the time, and you would watch it, and it was being passed around the dorm hallways 
And this was not some sort of X-rated movie that people would do that with. This was just a daytime talk show host with people punching each other and screwing about like, that's my girl. And it was, it was unbelievable. You couldn't stop watching it. And it was all these fights that would happen. And you, you didn't have YouTube where you just go and see fights all the time. Or there was no real UFC. You could have two people in a chair and one of them would eventually get up and start trying to punch another one. And I remember when it was at the apex of it, it was just the biggest thing in the whole home video industry. Jerry Springer went on Letterman. And David Letterman was describing the fights and they were talking about it. And he was like, so Jerry... When all these fights are breaking out on set, where do you go? And Jerry leans back and he says, to the bank. And everyone kind of cheered and clapped. And I think Letterman rolled his eyes. Um, but he was, he was really, really an important part of what made 90s TV risque and fun and aggressive. And again, it, a lot of it has not aged well at all. But at the time, it was so big. And was, if you were a high school or an adolescent, a college kid in the 90s, when you heard the news today, you just kind of in your head started going, Jerry, Jerry. I met him once. He came on Good Morning Football. Uh, he, was, he was a great guest. He was a gentleman. It worked out really well. And I, I went, walked away from it having positive experiences. But I, in a way, like there's a little part of my adolescence that goes, oh. And I know you feel the same way. I've seen a lot of people online talking about, oh, Jerry was the best. And you know, he would go up into the crowd like most of those hosts would do, and he would find, some, you know, they'd been talking to these people on stage, going through whatever sort of crisis or ridiculous intermarital sordid affairs, and they would go up and they would talk to some woman, and she would stand up and she would say, yeah, I want to say something to you right now. You, you got to, your life is totally out of control, and you got to get your life, and then the woman on stage would start yelling back at the woman on the, in the audience, and then <laughs> it was, listen, it was a total bleep show. But at, listen, when it, at its height... In the uh, Austin Powers franchise, Dr. Evil and Scott go on Jerry Springer to settle their differences. Uh, it's, it's, he's all over movies. It was a huge deal. And at the end of the show, at the end of the show, he would always do this thing where he said, I know I've just been showing you this complete, uh, substandard, disgusting, trash TV, but you know what? I'm going to put a nice cap on it with something I call my final thoughts. And Jerry would sit there and deliver this monologue and try to extract some sort of moral high ground from the filth that we just watched for the last hour and weave it into life lessons. And it always felt like he wrote the script himself. I'm sure he had a ton of producers, but I always bought that it was really Jerry, maybe on a typewriter, just banging out his final thoughts. And then again, after a show in which chairs were actually thrown at people, people had spit in their face and we talked about whose baby is it and all that, he would say, take care of yourself and each other. And everyone would go crazy. And it was like, I love that guy. Cable guy, Jim Carrey references it, the final thoughts and everything. It was, it was a big, big, big thing. And the fact that Jerry has gone now, I'm sorry for his family. I'm sorry for anybody who leaves behind. I understand he's been married since I think the 70s. One woman, it's pretty cool. Not a perfect man, certainly not a perfect show but highly, highly important in a lot of us, especially those of us who ended up doing what we do. Jerry Springer was a tone setter for a long time, and I'm sorry he's gone. Let's get to what's hilarious. You know what's hilarious? Announcing a draft pick at the NFL Draft. I did this one year ago, and I just want to take a second to look back and reflect it reflect on it and tell you the story because I've been really, really blessed to do some pretty cool things and some pretty exciting things for work, you know, and my family and everything. 
there, there's really not many that have been more exciting than announcing a draft pick at the NFL draft. It, it was a 10 out of 10 life memory. The way it went down uh, last year, the Bills invited me to announce their third round pick. It was pick number 89, night two of the draft. Goodell does all the first round picks. And then in the second and third round, they have anybody from prestigious former players to residents of the city to anybody who can go up there. And the Bills asked me because I've been really supportive of them. It was amazing. I'll, I'll try to tell the story as concisely as I can, and we'll show the clip. Um, I had to do the show. It, it was the second day is on a Friday night. I did do Good Morning Football in New York City on a Friday morning. Had to get immediately to Newark Airport where I flew on Spirit Airlines because that was the only flight available. They actually treated me beautifully. Everyone was just trashing Spirit Airlines, but they were great. Land in Las Vegas, get in a car, go to the where the Bellagio Fountain area where the draft stage was. And I had this whole thing prepared and I was gonna do this whole address and I had a chicken wing in my pocket. That, the night before on Thursday, I went to my local grocery store in Westchester, New York. I bought a buffalo wing. I sauced it with the buffalo sauce because it didn't have the buffalo sauce and I was worried that it would, wouldn't read as a buffalo wing because it's pretty small in front of that many people. So I wanted it to be orange. I sauced it. I had it in my pocket for the entire flight, wrapped in a paper towel, entire flight to Las Vegas, the entire car ride to, to the stage. And then you get to the stage, you go in this crazy green room backstage uh, next to that giant draft stage. And it's, it is a Madame Tussauds Comic-Con acid trip of every single person you could ever want to see. My childhood favorite players, big time actors, the wrestling. You're like, oh, there's Barry Sanders and there's Emmett Smith. There's The Miz from the WWE. That's Donny Osmond. That's Wayne Newton. That's an actual clown on stilts. And they're all just sitting there doing the same thing you're doing. I have the chicken wing in my pocket, I'm wearing Zubaz pants, I'm wearing this, the, the Bills jacket. Finally, they bring you out to go side stage. My biggest apprehension, by far, it wasn't being in front of the crowd, it wasn't getting my words out. I was so nervous about pronouncing the player's name properly because I don't know who the player's going to be, you can't prepare for that. I just didn't want to butcher this kid's name, whoever it was going to be, and I was praying it was not some long, long, multi-syllabic name with a million vowels and everything. I was really nervous about that because I've spent years of my career mocking the people who mess up the player's names. So you finally get to side stage where, you know, if you've ever seen a concert movie or whatever in, over in the wings as the band is performing, in this case, it's the podium, it's the people picking before you. Um, you stand there and I remember Goodell, Roger Goodell walks out from this door and he walks up and says hi and he's funny and he kind of busts chops and stuff like that. And um, Earlier in the night, this man had gone really, really long meaning that he was supposed to get up there and read the thing. He was up there for like three minutes. Finally, someone had to walk out and say, um, please, sir, just read the card. So he set the time back on everyone, and everyone running the production was really nervous and uncomfortable because the show's behind schedule. It's kind of like when the Oscars run long. It's like, we got to go. Enough with the acceptance speeches. So every single person who was walking out, myself included, was just told the same thing. Please go quickly. Please go quickly. And I'm saying, you know what? I flew all the way here to Las Vegas. I'm representing the Bills. I have worked on my speech. I have worked on my performance. I've got content. I have a chicken wing in my pocket that I'm not telling you about because I'm worried there's some sort of regulation that there's no food involved here. And I've run into that stuff before. So I'm hiding it. I'm, I'm like, sure, sure, I'll go quick. And in my mind, I'm like, they're going to have to rip me off there. I got things to say. So finally, I'm, I'm getting close. It's, I'm pick number 89. They're doing pick number 87. I don't have the pick yet. This young woman comes over to me, hands on my elbow, and I say, yes. She goes, uh, you're Kyle? And I go, yeah, yeah. She goes, we have the pick. This is the Bills pick number 89. 
and she hands you this card, like the card you see them up there reading. And it says, with the 89th pick of the 2023 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select, and I looked at the name, and it was Terrell Bernard, linebacker Baylor. I said, I can do Terrell Bernard. She says, are you comfortable with the pronunciation? Is there anything I can help you with? And I said, now are we sure? Because of that bleeping Terrell Owens messed up the whole Terrell Terrell industry 25 years ago. I said, are you sure it's not Terrell Bernard? She goes, it's Terrell. I go, thank God, Terrell Bernard I can handle. So I got my wing, I take it out. Now I run because I honestly thought they were gonna say no food is allowed. And so I'm like, no, no, I'm doing this. I take it out, I got my card, I got my wing, Wayne Newton standing next to me, Emmett Smith is behind me, the commissioner's right there, and the stage manager says, all right, you're up. And I walked out in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, nervous, excited, with props, with cards, and this is how it went. Is this not going to be the greatest selection since Drew Pearson? It will be. I think he's got props. He's got the whole deal. He's all hyped. Look at him. He's in the zone. <laughs> the Zuba's talking to deal. himself. The He's in the zone. Easy. He is in the zone. There's no doubt. Pete, Pete Avitante, the league. Look at him. Go get him. Where's his walk-in music? Here it comes. Here he is. The Buffalo Bills selection. Please Looks like one of the Steiner brothers from pro wrestling fame. Good morning, football. Nice check. Good evening, Las Vegas. Good evening, my brothers and sisters on the NFL Network. And good evening, Western New York. I find it perfect that the Bills are drafting in this city of luck, of chance, because you all know, and I know, the only thing in this world that can stop Josh Allen is the flip of a coin. So Mafia, mount up! And every other fan base, listen up! Chiefs fans, Raiders fans, Bengals fans, in my hands, I hold the most important pick of this entire round because this pick is the only pick who will win the Super Bowl in his rookie year with the 89th pick of the 2022 NFL Draft. The Super Bowl 57 champion Buffalo Bills select my man. Jarrell Bernard, linebacker, Baylor. Whoa! Nicely done. Nicely done. So, so is that a little nature boy light right there? With the buffalo wing at the uh -huh. yeah, cap it off. Yeah, oh, he like gets a totally commissioner <laughs> hug out of it. <laughs> I mean, it's absolute time of my life. It's the most exciting thing that I've ever done, outside of the, having the kids and all that. So, yeah, yeah. It, I had I had forgotten that even the commissioner was standing. The second I walk off, you're saying, I don't know, was that good? Did they hate it? Did they love it? I, the first person you see is the most powerful man in sports, and he's laughing his ass off, and he gives me this big old hug. And I remember being like, I have a sauced buffalo wing here, Raj. I don't want to get it on your collar. <laughs> so I had to be careful. And then I ran into Donny Osmond. Who's, um, what I remember about the actual delivery was I go up and I kind of say, Good evening, Las Vegas, and I find it perfect that lots of the Bills should be drafting in this town of chance, of luck. Because remember, at the time, people might forget this, it doesn't age well. At the time, we're coming off a Bills season where they didn't get to have the ball in overtime because they lost a coin toss. 
So my little line that I made up was the only thing that can stop Josh Allen is the flip of a coin. So it's great that we're here in Las Vegas where it's all about chance. The, when the crowd turned on me, which is what I wanted them to do, is when I said, you know, um, find it perfect that we're here in the city of luck and the city of chance because you all know and I know. The second you say you all, it's basically like you're saying all you folks out here, you know exactly what time. Then they started booing which is what I wanted. I was going in for the sort of WWE heel, and really, it's what they want. They want to talk junk. They want to scream back at you. So then I said, um, so Mafia Mount Up and every other fan base in here, listen up. And then you gotta specifically call out fan bases. Raiders fans, because we're in Las Vegas. Bengals fans. Chiefs fans, and then that's when I just looked out and just saw a sea of middle fingers. You could count the people who weren't doing two middle fingers to me, Raiders fans, Chiefs fans, even fans I didn't call out were doing it. (laughs) It was was as if they were giving me a thumbs up. That's what I wanted. I wanted a sea of middle fingers. And the booing just got louder and louder and louder, and I guess there was like the small pocket of Bills fans who had made the trip to Nevada who were cheering, I'm sure, but they did not could not be heard over the uh, giant, giant wave of booing and middle fingers. And it was great because this thing became, it used to be, hi, I'm a notable ex-player. Let's go Broncos. And you read the pick and everybody cheers. McAfee came out years ago as a member of the Colts in Tennessee and just roasted the Titans. Drew Pearson came out in Philadelphia as a cowboy and just did this defiant, stone-faced monologue about how great the Cowboys are to Eagles fans. Then David Akers in Dallas did a hilarious take on that where he's like, I'm a punter in Dallas. Like, he was so good. It became, it becomes kind of a roast of the other fan bases. And you have to do that if you want that big of a reaction. Most of those people out there are hot. They're bored. They have to go to the bathroom. They don't care that much about your pick because it's not their team and it's not their team's rival. You got to wake them the hell up. And honestly, you got to talk a little bleep to them. And you do it in a way that's, that's, you know, congenial. And that will get their attention. But then I walked off and it hugs all around. I don't know what happened to that wing. I think I tossed it into the, the garbage can and that was it. But, um, Man, it's 100% pure electricity. We'll see the people, they won't do it tonight. It's Goodell tonight. But tomorrow night, there'll be a lot of people doing that exact same thing. And the most important part, my man, Terrell Bernard, linebacker, Baylor. And I've corresponded a bunch of times with Terrell Bernard since then. And he was totally into it. And he had a suit jacket made that had like his face on the inside and the Bills logo and a Baylor logo. And then me and my stupid ass Zubas reading his pick because it just became part of the story, and I was so thrilled and so honored to do it. Thank you to the Buffalo Bills. Thank you to Terrell Bernard. It's been one year since you gave me a life memory. And thank you to all those other fans for the middle finger. Uh, Let's go to something we call... Bite Fight. All right, three bites enter, one bites leave, and I decide one bite to rule them all. This is a uh, sort of draft-related, not sort of, an entirely draft-related bite fight. We have three sound bites, as I said, three enter, one leave. Up first, Nolan Smith, Georgia Edge. Nolan Smith, who 
Might end up in Philadelphia. Be very careful if he goes to Philadelphia. You don't want them having that. You don't want Philadelphia having anybody, but they're gonna get somebody. It might be Nolan Smith. Here's Nolan Smith, combatant number one in Bite Fight, who was asked what he does for fun when he's not playing football. I usually am fishing for fun, and I say one big thing is I love being out on the boat. Man, catching fish is nothing better than that. <laughs> Well, I mean, what do we do? Are we doing bass? Are we doing trout? What, what's, what's the special? We doing bass. We do trout. But I love fishing salt water. I love, man, if you think, if you, all you need is a hot dog to catch a, a catfish, really. And I'm from the country. If you put a hot dog <laughs> in there for 10 seconds, you catch anything out the water. Oh, that's great. Just take a little Oscar Mayer wiener, put it on your hook, and he just said you'll catch anything out of the water. God, I want to grow up in the South in my next life. They seem to have the right philosophy. Man, just need a hot dog, you'll catch anything. That sounds great. I can't relate to that at any level, but I find it very endearing. Nolan Smith, great player, loves being out there in that boat, hunting for, hot, hunting for catfish with hot dogs. Absolutely beautiful. That could win. That's a charming soundbite. But he has two other competitors. Next, Washington State's Dayon Henley. Not Don Henley. Dayon Henley who, after he becomes a pro, will represent the end of the innocence. He transferred from Nevada, the Wolfpack, before the past season. But here is Dayon Henley after his first game when he had a game-clinching interception at the goal line. Here's what he said. Sensational interception for the game-sealing victory. Sensational? Sensational, yes. I appreciate that. Um, actually, what, what emotions were you feeling while you picked it off and then while you sat down? Uh, so the ball was coming, right? You know, obviously ball. So first thing I was thinking of the ball, like ball, ball, ball. And then I'm taking, this is real in depth right here. Second thought was catch it, you know? So I'm like, what happens if I don't catch it? Like my life is over. So I'm like, catch it, catch it, catch it. I called the ball and I'm like, score, score, score. Like go all the way. And then I looked at the sideline and it was all about a, a whole bunch of people like, you know, go down, go down, go down. I'm like, no, no, no. Then my teammates said go down, so I said, I'm going to go down. How was the field looking? Were you, was it wide open touchdown? or I, It was like 99 yards, I mean, this if hurts. I'm not mistaken. This hurts to talk, this hurts to talk about, okay. I'm not going to lie. I, it was all, I could have scored. <laughs> I, I could have scored. I could have scored. I really could have scored. Would've been a, it would have been beautiful. I could get a touching moment. I would have been like, oh, why my first game here, you know? But I sat down, you know? Thank you for your answer. I love that guy. I love both of these guys. It's a very likable bite fight. Uh, Dayon Henley is second or third round pick with a chance of maybe squeaking into the first round tonight. We don't know, but obviously made a huge play in his first game. Ball, 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 catch it, catch it, catch it, or my life will be over. And then I saw my sideline was saying get down, and then my teammates were saying get down, and I could have scored. God, there's, there's so much nobility now given to all these players who know when to go down and do it properly, and I know it's the right football play. Look at the guy score. I love the personality. That's a great interview. Sensational. Sensational. I love that guy's getting drafted. So when you watch the draft this weekend, watch for Dayon Henley from Washington State. And remember, he's the guy who was so busted up that he had to go down on his crazy pick six that he could have had. This is a good bite fight. Let's see who the final combatant is. Back in September, Alabama's Will Anderson Jr., who I've gotten to meet a few times now, and is probably going to be the second or third pick tonight. He's definitely top five. And he will be drafted tonight. Two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year. A really nice guy who was just a complete monster. And to that note, sweet person, several sisters, very family-oriented. Back in September, he was asked about his attitude 
on the field. But do you consider yourself uh, hateful on the field? Is that, is that yeah, I do. I just don't. I tell people all the time the audacity for the other team to even step on the field is disrespectful to me. I tell people that all the time. And I think people ask me what motivates me. I said the audacity for the fans to show up and for the team to come step on the field and play with us. So that's kind of like my own little thing in my head that I go through. So, yeah. See, I like that. Yeah, the audacity that you would step on the field with me. I am so offended, no matter who you are, <laughs> Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, whoever they end up playing year to year. I am so offended that you would think you could step on the field with me. You have pissed me off before the game has even started. That's great. And it's that incredible kind of dual personality these athletes have. That is, I've talked to about 70 NFL prospects over the last six weeks. There is not a nicer, sweeter, kinder person in the draft than Will Anderson Jr. Maybe Bijan Robinson. He's very friendly too. But Will Anderson Jr. is there. And then he's like on the field. You have the audacity to play against me? He's an absolute monster. Who's the winner? Nolan Smith on fishing with hot dogs for catfish. Dayon Henley, the heartbreaking story of the interception return foiled. Or Will Anderson Jr. talking about the audacity to step on the field with him. It's Dayon Henley. Dayon Henley, Washington State defensive back transfer from Nevada, going through his entire mental process of one play and how his life would have been over. That guy told the story far more colorfully and comically than I told my draft pick story in the last segment. So I have to give it to Dayon Henley. Tough beat for the other two, but Dayon, I hope you sneak into the front first round. I hope you're pick number 31, 30, doesn't matter. That's a first round soundbite. I think you're a first round player. Guys, that's the draft show. I wish we could do more. We're out of time, or are we? Let's go to the sky cam. Let's end with one last little dessert. As I go over here and I grab a dart past this NFL camera that I have to set up after this show and position it and, and have a million technical people saying, could you just uh, tilt it down a little? Could, could you just adjust the light? Da, 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 da. Here we go. Today's number 10. Number 10 on the topic list that I have not seen, read, been told about anything. Naps, yay or nay? Well, man, step into my office. Uh, I'm kind of a nap sommelier because... My hours are very unusual and I wake up before 5 a.m. on all the work days. So one of the kind of blase, tedious conversations you'll have with people when you're just sitting around on an elevator or whatever. Oh yeah, you got to go up early in the morning for that show? Yeah, what, okay, yeah. What time do you get up? Oh wow, yeah. So like what time do you go to bed? Oh yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So like, do you, you, you take naps? You, you have to nap? I've had that conversation 6,000 times. The answer is this. Uh, I am very pro-nap, but I only do it once a week. I only do it on Friday afternoons. And the reason I do it is because if I don't take a nap on Friday, my wife and I, once the kids are in bed and we have some dinner and some wine or whatever and we put on a movie, I will be asleep during the opening credits. They will be showing the associate producer and I am head back full snore out. And I have tried everything. I have tried drinking coffee after dinner. I have tried stupid energy drinks. I am out if I don't take a nap. The nap is very simple. You know when you're going through a long day with your phone and it's getting down to the red sliver on the battery and you're so busy you can't just sit around and charge it for a while, but you have about a 15 minute window when you get home and before you have to leave for your next activity where you can plug it in for 15 minutes, just give it a little drink, get it up to yellow instead of red, that's what a nap is. You have to charge your battery a little bit so your phone, which is your body, can get through the end of the day at least with my schedule. So I will be napping tomorrow afternoon, but not today. I'll be on NFL Plus tonight. If you want to watch me 
talk about the picks, uh, hype about the Eagles, the Bills, all the teams. Guys, um, it's been an honor to have you here on Draft Day. Like, subscribe, tweet, post, review, share, talk, spread the word, tell the town crier, Kyle Brandt's basement, it's your favorite, you go every single day. That's Rob. We'll be back tomorrow with a big old draft recap. In the meantime, exit through the garage, close the door on your way out. See you guys. Enjoy tonight.